Free women, free women from Agronational. We decided to open with that song this week instead of our usual international, outer national song because of the beautiful women rising up together with men across Iran fearlessly, courageously. We'll be talking a little bit more about that as the hour goes on. I want to welcome you to the Michael Slate Show. Uh, my name is Sansara Taylor. I am back as your guest host once again. Very happy to be with you, and we've got a great show for you this hour. Um, we're going to cover a lot of ground. We're going to cover a lot of ground and, and a lot that's quite important. So we're going to start by looking at the whole world um, and the intensifying danger of nuclear war, the danger that we face, um, and what's really going on in Ukraine and where the interests of humanity lie. We're going to take a look at that. We're going to do some history and, and give you a chance to to hear from Bob Avakian, the revolutionary leader, from his memoir. It'll be both history and a chance to get to know him and his development a little bit more with very relevant lessons for today. That is, of course, the architect of the new communism, the most important political thinker and leader in the world today, somebody who has re-envisioned the, the strategy, the vision of, and a method to make real an actual revolution, which is what this world cries out for most urgently of all, an actual revolution and a whole new communism. So we're going to play a chapter of his book that looks back at the 1962 Cuban Missile Crisis and how he approached it at the time as a youth. You know, yesterday, Biden apparently said in a private fundraiser that and it's true, but he said it from an imperialist perspective that uh, we've never been this close to Armageddon in the sense of nuclear war, open inter-imperialist nuclear war, potentially World War III since that 1962 Cuban Missile Crisis. This is not a drill. It is very dangerous. And Biden is actually upping that danger. Biden and Putin with their proxy war in Ukraine. It is not a battle between autocracy and democracy, as Biden claims. This is an inter-imperialist rivalry. It's a rivalry between two legit gangsters on the global scale. And it's grinding up the lives of the Ukrainian people, and it's threatening the future of humanity, this threat of nuclear war. So we're going to take a look at, at both the situation in Ukraine, and then we'll play a portion of this memoir from Bob Avakian that looks at the 1962 Cuban Missile Crisis, and, and which was the last major, uh, it's not the only time this country has dragged us close to nuclear war, but it is a very important point of reference, So and a lot of lessons there. So that'll be second, and then we are going to uh, examine two very sharp concentrated expressions of the hatred and depression and degradation of women in this country. Yet again, another way that uh, Biden and, and the U.S. imperialists like to claim that they support the women rising up in Iran, that they stand for the liberation of women. This is garbage. We're going to look at the rise in the push uh, towards fetal personhood in this country, the attack on abortion rights in this country and where that's headed. We also have a segment uh, taking down the hypermisogyny of Andrew Tate, who we'll tell you about later, and then a few words on Iran. So we're going to cover the globe. We're going to look at different things. And with that, we're going to start out with a bedrock point of orientation. We're going to hear from Bob Avakian from his 2017 speech called The Trump-Pence Regime Must Go. In the name of humanity, we refuse to accept a fascist America. A better world is possible, where he talks about American chauvinism. 
which if we're going to do anything, if we're going to understand anything, if we're going to act in the interest of humanity, even a shred, we have to start by breaking with American chauvinism. So let's start out with Bob Avakian on the GTF. One of the biggest obstacles standing in the way and weighing people down is American chauvinism. The disgusting notion that America and Americans are better and more important than everybody else. This is a poison infecting people broadly in this country, even among the bitterly oppressed. And there is a great need for people to break with this American chauvinism. Free yourself from the GTF, the great tautological fallacy. A fallacy, an idea or way of thinking that is false, wrong. A tautology, a round in a circle way of reasoning that asserts something and then claims to prove it by merely asserting the same thing again. So the great tautological fallacy to which I am referring is the notion that America is a force for good in the world. And therefore, whatever it does is good, or at least done with good intentions. Even if the same thing, when done by other forces, especially by forces opposed to us, is bad, is evil, because, because America is a force for good in the world. <laughs> Thus, in the grip of the great tautological fallacy, when one is told by the authorities and government and the media, etc., that North Korea developing a small number of nuclear weapons and a few long-range ballistic missiles poses a grave threat, one does not question. One does not ask why that is a grave threat, while the only country ever to use nuclear weapons, the United States, having thousands of nuclear weapons and the capability to use them anywhere in the world is somehow not a grave threat. For those of us who are not willing to be blinded by this GTF, we can and must confront and analyze reality as it actually is and draw the necessary conclusions. Besides the fact that the U.S. is today and has historically been allied with many authoritarian governments throughout the world, and in fact has forcibly installed such governments in many countries, the even more fundamental fact is that the essence of the conflict between the U.S. and countries like Russia and China is not one between democracy and authoritarianism, but is a matter of rivalry among imperialist powers all of which are monstrous oppressors of masses of people, and none of which represent or act in the interest of humanity. What is called for, and urgently now, is to oppose all imperialist marauders and mass murderers, and all systems and relations of oppression and exploitation, while giving particular emphasis to opposing our own imperialist oppressors who commit their monstrous crimes in our name and seek to rally us to support them on the basis of a grotesque American chauvinism, which we must firmly reject and fiercely struggle against. The high stakes in Ukraine, the threat of nuclear war, and the interests of humanity. Four basic points. Number one, the threat of nuclear war of World War III is real and it is growing more likely by the day. Last week at Revcom.us, we wrote that, quote, the war in Ukraine 
has escalated to a perilous new phase. The danger of nuclear exchange is greater and more explicitly stated than ever by political leaders on both sides of the war, Russia on the one side and on the other Ukraine, backed by the U.S. and NATO. In just the past week, this conflict has gotten significantly more dangerous. There are mounting threats, including threatening the use of nuclear weapons, ground offensives, and accelerating military maneuvers on both sides. We urge everyone to go to Revcom.us and read the resources and analysis provided there. Number two, this is an imperialist showdown. This is not a fight between good guys versus bad guys. Ukraine is not a battleground between democracy and autocracy. It is a conflict zone of imperialist rivalry between Russian imperialism and U.S. and Western imperialism. Both are fighting to impose their will on the other, to advance the interests of their empire at the expense of the other, and at the cost of tens of thousands of lives lost, with the looming threat of crushing and incinerating millions more. For more analysis and history of this situation, including several articles by Bob Avakian, again, go to Revcom.us and the Special War on Ukraine resource page. Number three, the Democratic Party is a machine of massive war crimes and crimes against humanity. The Democrats are not the party of peace. Their entire record is one of bloody war crimes and crimes against humanity. They have demonstrated over and over again that they have no hesitation at all when it comes to killing millions of people in the interests of the U.S. empire. The Democrats are the party of nuclear bombs dropped on densely populated cities. The party of napalm, jellied gasoline that burns to the bone, dropped on children. They are the party of drone strikes on wedding parties. And now... Under Democratic Party leadership, this country is bringing the world to the brink of nuclear war. It is way past time for people to stop being a tail on this Democratic donkey. Number four, this whole dynamic must be urgently, radically changed in the interests of humanity, not in the interests of rival and contending imperialists. People can't stand by passively and hope for the best. They need to be challenged and to think deeply about the truth of these words by Bob Avakian. He said, all this emphasizes why it is vitally important for the masses of people in this country and other countries aligned with it, as well as in Russia, for people everywhere to finally and fully wake up now, recognize the real and profoundly heavy stakes involved and act in accordance with our actual interests, the interests of all of humanity demanding that this war in Ukraine and the involvement, direct and indirect, of the imperialists on both sides in this war be stopped before it not only causes even greater suffering for the people of Ukraine, but possibly escalates into a far more terrible conflict, which causes massive destruction and death on a whole other level, and even possibly poses a threat to the very existence of humanity itself. We urge every one of you watching right now to spread far and wide these slogans everywhere you can. No U.S.-NATO war with Russia. No World War III. It's this system, not humanity, that needs to become extinct. We don't accept their future. It's time to get organized 
for a real revolution. So those were a few words on the intensifying, intensifying threat and danger of nuclear war in Ukraine that could easily spill out and drag into it countries around the world, most crucially the U.S. in open conflict with Russia. Um, at the same time, the U.S. is escalating its uh, danger of war with China. We are in danger of seeing World War III. Don't sleep on this. Don't snooze past this. This is a very, very dangerous situation that holds humanity's future in, in the balance. And it is long past time. We've seen protests in Russia. We've seen people stand up, go to jail over and over again, opposing what their imperialist rulers are doing. But here, people are sleeping on this, not standing up, not aware of the threat to nuclear uh, war that this would pose to the people of the world. And largely progressive people are siding with Biden and NATO and in their proxy war in Ukraine, because they are not in there to defend the Ukrainian people or the Ukrainian nation. They are in there and it's stated openly by Biden and his advisors, they are in this war to weaken Russia. And it is an inter-imperialist proxy war and people here need to stand up and oppose this war. No World War III. So a very important point of orientation there. I want to remind you that you are listening to the one, the only, the Michael Slate Show. We want to move now to a chapter of Bob Avakian's memoir, From Ike to Mao and Beyond. It's an incredible memoir, a life story of somebody who really grew up in mainstream America, believing in this country patriotically, um, sports enthusiast, all of this, but grew up in a time 
of the civil rights movement and the struggle against racial segregation, racist segregation, and then so much more that his life got opened up to the radical times of the 60s um, and 70s, becoming a communist revolutionary and then the foremost communist revolutionary leader and thinker in the world today. It's an incredible memoir about an incredible leader that people need to get to know who really has re-envisioned revolution and communism for the world today. In this chapter, we're going to play that's read by Bob Avakian. and you get, a, you get a window into his life, into his development, into the way that he goes through life. But you also get very important history of the 1962 Cuban Missile Crisis, what it really was about, and the lies that were being told to the American people at that time by JFK and the rulers of this country. Um, one thing I'll note before we hit play is that in the memoir, in Baba Bacon's memoir, he lays out that at this time he was suffering from a very uh, crippling, uh, life-threatening medical condition, disease that had really incapacitated him for about a year at this point. And he had been homebound. He had been um, really in a very precarious and dangerous medical condition. But And he'll mention that even in this state, um, he was paying attention to and trying to understand what was happening in the world. So I wanted to give you that as a point of reference. And with that, let's hear uh, Bob Avakian read from his memoir on the Cuban Missile Crisis. President Kennedy's urgency in launching his blockade underlined a determination to prevent at almost any cost Cuba's missile buildup. The purpose of these bases can be none other than to provide a nuclear strike capability against the Western Hemisphere. The Cuban Missile Crisis, world in the balance. During the acute period of the Cuban Missile Crisis in 1962, those events and their implications loom much larger even in my own mind than my own situation of being sick. Everybody sensed to one degree or another, certainly anybody who was paying any attention, and most people were, they couldn't help it, that the world could literally end at any time. I still remember feeling very, very deeply, right down into my bones, that the whole world could come to an end. At that time, I was back on a restricted schedule in school, but I followed this whole thing very intensely. Of course, they always give you only the U.S. imperialist side of the picture, and that's what people get drummed into them. I remember this dramatic incident that they still like to replay from time to time, when Adelaide Stevenson, who was the U.S. representative to the United Nations, gave this speech where he showed these photos of the Soviet missiles that had been brought into Cuba. And then he turned to the Soviet ambassador and said, are those or are those not Soviet missiles in Cuba? Yes or no. Don't wait for the translation. Yes or no. I can wait here till hell freezes over, Mr. Ambassador. I'm prepared to wait for my answer until hell freezes over. The Soviet ambassador wouldn't answer. And Stevenson just kept saying, are they or aren't they, Mr. Ambassador? On and on like that, putting him on the spot. But they never show how a year before that, at the beginning of the Kennedy administration, Adlai Stevenson got up and vehemently denied in the United Nations that the U.S. had anything to do with the Bay of Pigs invasion of Cuba. These charges are totally false, and I deny them categorically. Which, of course, was a blatant lie. So they like to show the one thing on TV as a highlight from history, but not the other thing where Stevenson was overtly lying in front of the whole world. At the time of the Cuban Missile Crisis, Kennedy put a naval blockade around Cuba, 
and said that if any Soviet ship tried to break that blockade, that would be an act of war, and the U.S. would respond. Kennedy tried to justify this, and I remember this very clearly, by claiming that the Soviet Union had violated the U.N. Charter by putting missiles in Cuba. In flagrant and deliberate defiance of the Rio Pact of 1947, the traditions of this nation and hemisphere, the joint resolution of the 87th Congress, the Charter of the United Nations. Now, even though I had a lot of suspicions about the government already at that time, and even though I was very angry about a lot of injustices in American society, and especially the oppression of black people, I still wanted to believe in my government. I still wanted to believe that the government could at least be brought around to doing the right thing. And I didn't want to believe that on something where literally the fate of the world was involved, they would just openly lie to everybody. But I felt strongly, with the fate of the world up for grabs and hanging by a thread, that I have to know the truth here. So I went to the university library and I dug out the UN Charter, remembering that Kennedy said it was a violation of the UN Charter for the Soviet Union to have missiles in Cuba. I read the whole charter through, and I naively expected I would find a statement in the charter that would say, it is a violation of this charter for the Soviet Union to have missiles in Cuba. Of course, I didn't find anything of the kind. So then I started looking into it further. Well, does it say it's a violation for one country to put missiles into another country? Of course, there wasn't anything like that in the charter either. And as I later found out, the U.S. had missiles all over the place, including in Turkey. And even though the ones in Turkey were older generation missiles, they were still missiles that could set off nuclear devices. These missiles in Turkey were closer to the Soviet border than Cuba was to the U.S. border. But they weren't talking about that either in the U.S. media. I kept looking for anything in this U.N. charter that would justify what Kennedy was saying about how this was a violation of the Charter. I read that Charter over and over, and I couldn't find anything. Kennedy was just lying. He was really saying, we can do whatever we want, and nobody can do anything we don't want them to do. That was the logic he was using then, and that's the logic that right up to Bush they use now. Some of my favorite lines from Bob Dylan are in the song where he talks about trying to get in a nuclear fallout shelter, and the owner says, get out of here. I'll tear you limb from limb. Then the next lines are, I said, you know, they refused Jesus too. He said, you're not him. The way of thinking or not thinking that Dylan captured there, the inability or unwillingness to engage in abstract thought and to abstract from one situation to another, the refusal to be consistent in applying a principle. What applies to you doesn't apply to me. I can do what I want, and you can't do it if I don't want you to. That same sort of you're not him or you're not me logic was being applied by Kennedy. And this was a big shock to me. I knew some things about injustices in American society. But lying on this level, lying before the world with the fate of the world literally at stake, was more than I expected. It may have been unusual to actually go and pour through the UN Charter, but there was so much at stake that I felt like I have to know the truth, and just because it's the leader of my country, I can't accept what he says when something this big is at stake. Of course, this didn't immediately cause me to become a communist. I was still against communism as much as I understood it, which was very little. 
but it shook me up a lot and kept circulating in my mind as other events, like Vietnam a little later, unfolded. The Cuban Missile Crisis and things like the fair housing struggle contributed to my feeling that there were important things in the world, and I should do something about those things. I should do something important with my life when I got my life back. I still had the passion that I had for sports and things like that, but that was something you do for entertainment and fun. I mean, your life could be about that. And I always thought that if I hadn't ended up being a communist, maybe I would have been a high school basketball coach. But I was feeling that my life should be about something more than sports, as much as I still had a real passion about that. I felt that there were so many big things going on in the world. I wanted to do something with my life that would mean something, or to use the phrase of the time, be relevant, and not just be a personal passion for me. of Bob Abakian reading from his memoir, From Ike to Mao and Beyond, reading a segment about the Cuban Missile Crisis. Bob Abakian is the architect of the new communism. He is the foremost revolutionary thinker and leader in the world today. I'm proud to call myself a follower of Bob Abakian and a fighter for revolution and the new communism that he has forged. And that's from his youth. That's read by him. It's from his youth. Talking about the Cuban Missile Crisis, very relevant on so many levels to the situation we find ourselves in right now. Let me remind you that you are listening to The Michael Slate Show. In that excerpt, you heard Bob Avakian say he was young, and if you were paying attention, which everybody was, you couldn't not pay attention. There was The world was being dragged to the brink of nuclear war. Well, here we are in 2022, and not only do the U.S. rulers still hold the title as the only imperialist power, the only power of anyone anywhere on the planet to have dropped nuclear weapons on civilian populations, not once, but twice. But here in this country, as we're being dragged to the brink of nuclear war, where the president himself said just yet last night that we are threatened with potential nuclear Armageddon, most people in this country are snoozing. They're whistling past this danger, humanity's fate. And it's not like in 1962 where you couldn't help but pay attention. It's a situation where most are not paying attention. With that, we want to move forward in today's program and take a look at the intensifying assault on women's right to abortion. He has repeatedly referred to pregnant women as hosts. When I use the term host, it's not meant to uh, degrade women. Uh, I, I actually went and Googled that, and I went to Webster, 
and I couldn't find a better term. The law also recognizes an embryo as a life. The so-called personhood bill would give embryos and fetuses all the rights and immunities of other citizens. An unborn baby would be counted in Colorado's criminal code. The fetus is now a legal person. Could have women facing the death penalty for having an abortion. The state of Georgia recently passed a law that said a woman who is six weeks pregnant or more can claim the fetus as a dependent and get a $3,000 break on her taxes. This may seem strange, or even like a harmless perk for women who are going through the burden of pregnancy. But this is part of something huge, something enslaving for women. This is part of a very serious move to establish fetuses, and even fertilized eggs from the moment of conception as full people in the eyes of the law. And let's be very clear, fetuses are not people, not morally, not socially, and not scientifically. But this is not just a Georgia thing. This is the program of the Christian fascists for the whole country. We must resolve that we will not rest, we will not relent, until the sanctity of life is restored to the center of American law in every state in the nation. So what would it mean if this country legally classified fetuses and embryos as people. First of all, this would mean that all abortions in all circumstances would be criminalized. No exceptions for rape or incest, no matter how young a girl might be, no regard for women's own plans for their lives that would be shattered by forced motherhood, no regard for the decimated dreams, the foreclosed lives, and the patriarchal violence or the threat of such that would be heaped on all women everywhere. But that's not all. If fetuses were granted the legal rights of people, women who are pregnant will be denied life-saving care if that treatment might endanger the fetus. Let us never forget Savita Halepanavar of Ireland or Isabella Sajbor of Poland, both of whom died slow and agonizing, completely preventable deaths while having miscarriages in hospitals because those country's anti-abortion laws prevented the doctors from intervening. This was Savita Halapanova celebrating the Diwali Festival of Lights with her husband, Praveen. They lived together in the Irish town of Galway. Now she's a newspaper headline. She became pregnant, but at 17 weeks went into hospital in pain, miscarrying. The hospital wouldn't carry out an abortion. This is a Catholic country, a medic apparently told them. She died of blood poisoning in agony. Isabella was married for 10 years and was the mother of a nine-year-old child. She was expecting another. She was taken to this hospital in southern Poland in September with a serious complication to her pregnancy. Isabella described her worsening condition in a text message to her mother, saying, The baby weighs 485 grams. For now, because of the abortion law, I have to lie down. They can't do anything. They're going to wait until he dies or something else happens. Oh, and also, I could die of septic shock. Isabella did die of just that, and 24's observers team were informed by her family's lawyer that doctors decided not to terminate the pregnancy for fear of being held responsible for an illegal abortion. And even that is not all. Granting fetuses the full rights of people would mean that killing a fetus would be treated the same as killing an actual person. Women who terminate their pregnancies and those who help them, whether doctors and medical staff or loving families or anyone else, would be charged with murder and sent to prison. 
and places that allow the death penalty, they could be put to death. Think that sounds too extreme? That it can't happen here. Earlier this year, lawmakers in Louisiana pushed for a law that would have classified abortion as homicide and allowed women and those who helped them to be executed. A new bill moving through the Louisiana legislature would classify abortions as homicide. Women could be charged with murder if they abort their pregnancy. Of House Bill 813, which would redefine person as including a human being from the moment of fertilization. This would extend homicide laws to the unborn, meaning a woman who had an abortion could be charged with murder. Could have women facing the death penalty for having an abortion. And in Arizona, right now, the courts are deliberating over a law that would grant fertilized eggs the same rights, privileges, and immunities available to other persons. The 2021 statute essentially gives all legal rights to unborn children. And you can count on law enforcement to then start treating women who suffer from miscarriages as if they are murderers as well. Let's look at El Salvador. Women there are routinely arrested right out of the hospital and sent to prison, many of them languishing for decades for miscarriages and stillbirths. One high school rape survivor was sentenced to 30 years in prison after having a stillbirth in the bathroom. She had been repeatedly raped by a gang member and didn't even know she was pregnant, yet she was charged on the grounds that failing to seek prenatal care amounted to murder. And on top of this, the court considered charging her mother as an accomplice as well. Again, don't say it cannot happen here. The group National Advocates for Pregnant Women has documented 1,331 arrests or detentions of women for crimes related to their pregnancies between 2006 and 2020. And all this was before the fall of Roe. Treating fetuses as full people in the eyes of the law has been the program of the Christian fascists for decades, and it is the logical conclusion of calling abortion murder for years and years and indoctrinating generations of religious fanatics and many people more broadly with this lie. Recently, the New York Times did a podcast exposing the growing demand in the anti-abortion movement to treat women who get abortions as murderers. They showed how this is not just anti-abortion leaders, but women themselves who have had abortions, who have been indoctrinated and brainwashed with this view. Listen to this woman named Christine as she explains that she agrees she really ought to be prosecuted for murder and even put to death if that's what the law decides for the abortion she had as a teenager decades ago. Well, how do I feel about it? I feel it is extremely just and cyclical and it's fair. It's an equal measure. I took a life. I should give my life. If they were to come back and I would right now, I absolutely would go to court and say, yeah, I'm a sinner. I did it. And if that was my punishment, I would take it. If that was my punishment, I would take it. Again, this is the logical conclusion of spreading the lie that abortion is murder. And this logical conclusion has been aided and conceded to every time the Democrats and the so-called pro-choice leaders who are slavishly tied to these Democrats have insisted that abortion is tragic, that no one wants to have an abortion. We all want to reduce the number of abortions as if there is something morally wrong with abortion. 
In this way, they have ceded the moral high ground to those who wrongly equate abortion with the killing of babies and reduce women to incubators. We can support a woman's right to choose that makes abortion safe, legal, and rare and reduces the number of abortions. Our vision should be of an America where abortion is safe and legal, but rare. So let us work together to reduce the number of women seeking abortions. And as we Revcoms, led by Bob Avakin, have been emphasizing for years, fetuses are not babies. A fetus is a subordinate part of a woman's body. It has the potential to become a human being, but it is not a person until it is born and separate from the woman's body. Until that time, it is her body that is making it grow and develop, and it has no independent existence from her. She is the person. Second, abortion is not murder. There is nothing morally wrong with a woman terminating a pregnancy for whatever reason she chooses. And most important, women are not incubators. Women are full human beings who should never be made to feel bad or shamed, to say nothing of hunted down and locked up, or worse, for getting an abortion, for deciding for herself when and whether to have a child. Still, even at this late hour, even after Roe has been overturned, and even as the Christian fascists across this country are putting their foot on the accelerator towards fetal personhood, many Democratic Party strategists and so-called pro-choice leaders continue to downplay the danger we face. You ain't seen the insurrection yet. You keep on pushing our buttons, you low-down sorry compromisers. You God-hating communist America, you'll find out what an insurrection is because we ain't playing your garbage. We ain't playing your mess. My Bible says that the church of the living God is an institution that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And the Bible says they will take it by force. That's what the Bible says. It is time to take the blinders off. Time to shed any remaining disbelief. The movement that fought for decades to shame and harass women getting abortions to terrorize and shut down abortion providers, to pack the courts and the government with women-hating theocrats, the movement that just won a huge victory by knocking down women's national right to abortion is hell-bent on going all the way. And they are not going to stop unless and until they are decisively defeated. This is going to take massive struggle, as is being fought for still by Rise Up for Abortion Rights. It's going to take struggle in the streets and massive resistance and struggle in the court of public opinion, calling out this women-hating fascist sh for what it is, fighting for the science and the truth that fetuses are not babies, that abortion is not murder, and women are not incubators, fighting for legal abortion on demand and without apology everywhere. And ask yourself, what kind of a system puts fascist fanatics in power who believe that a fertilized egg should have more rights than a fully developed woman? and then backs this up with the power of the state. It is a thoroughly and utterly outmoded and bankrupt system. As Bob Avakian has deeply analyzed in works available at Revcom.us, fully defeating these Christian fascists and winning the real and complete liberation of women is going to take a revolution. Overthrowing this whole system of capitalism, imperialism, and going to work in a new 
revolutionary society to break all the chains that bind women and put an end to all oppression based on gender and sexual orientation. Now is the time to get serious about waging this struggle. Now is the time to get into Baba Vakian and get with the Revcoms. Now is the time to unleash the fury of women as a mighty force for revolution. All right, so this is the emergency we face on abortion rights in this country, the need to take the blinders off. You are listening to The Michael Slate Show. We're going to do one more segment before we close out today. This is on Andrew Tate. Have a listen. Who is Andrew Tate? I don't know much about internet personality Andrew Tate. Until a couple of months ago, we'd never heard of him. And it's often scandalous views about women that have made him notorious across the world. Content promoting violence against women. Andrew Tate is a former kickboxer and self-appointed misogynist life coach. He's made headlines in recent weeks after he was banned on several social media platforms for advocating violence and hate speech. Tate attracts boys and men who celebrate the hyper-individualist, violent and misogynist, rich playboy baller wisdom he pukes. Tate rose to prominence on social media, where at one point, his TikTok had over 11 billion views and 4.6 million followers on Instagram. So women aren't as big as me. You're like a 55 kilo female. I will pick you up with one hand by your body slam your ass when I grab you by your neck and you start annoying me trying to resist and I just and then I grab you by your neck again. Then what the you're gonna do when your face is collapsed and your cheekbones broken? You ain't gonna do cry. You're gonna cry your eyes out. Andrew Tate is a spokesperson of the society we exist in now, embodying, promoting, and personifying the patriarchal terror embedded in this global system of capitalism and imperialism. You ho, you ain't gonna do shit, but suck and cook. Sucking and cooking? Barefoot in the kitchen? Stop to actually think of all the young girls who are brought up having their brains twisted by this view of them, generation after generation, trained to think of themselves as sexual objects and servants of the family smothered by a culture that reinforces that belief at every turn in advertising in the music in the home and at school think of all the women who are sexually harassed and assaulted on the job in the home in the dorms in the prisons in detention camps and in war zones around the world women denied their humanity and their humanity and participation in society denied to the world because I will always be able to whoop your ass. And any man who's relatively capable as a man will always be able to whoop your ass, rape you, strangle you, kill you, anything he wants to do. Your only hope as a female is to scream and run. Your only hope as a female is to scream and run? Think about all the women who are trapped in abusive relationships, told that they aren't that they aren't good for anything but f***ing, making food, and making babies. In researching for this video, I read the story of Venetia Reese, a 24-year-old whose partner tortured her with the intent of murdering her. I read her account of what she thought was going to be the last day of her life. She, along with her sister, 
were bound, beaten, stabbed, then set on fire and left to die. My back, my arms, my head, and my eye right here. And then I have my stab wounds. I was stabbed six times on this side. Think about the 47,000 women and girls murdered worldwide by intimate partners or family members just in the year 2020. Think about the constant terror inflicted in all women who from a young age are taught that the deadliest and most probable threats of their lives would be an encounter with a man. Think about Masa Amini, arrested and killed by the morality police in Iran. Think of all the girls held back from school, the women stoned to death for not being virgins, the millions who are violated, raped, bought, and sold as property, some as young as nine years old, trafficked into sexual slavery, Five million human beings, 99% women, and one million of them children, as Raymond Lada exposes in his must-read piece on Revcom.us, the industrialization of sexual exploitation, imperialist globalization, and the descent into hell. Now think about Andrew Tate, this self-described pimp made it his shtick to coach other men on how to become little slave master tyrants like himself, going on impassioned diatribes about how to intimidate and terrorize women, cashing in on thousands of years of oppression to feel just a little bit more powerful in a soul-crushing society. What a pathetic and depraved vision of being a human being. All of this brutality, dehumanization, and hatred directed toward women is completely, utterly unnecessary. It is not human nature for men to be dominant leaders, providers, or sadistic abusers. It is not human nature for women to be so docile, nurturing, so sweet, so wifelike, or subservient. It is the nature of this system of capitalism and imperialism, which maintains the oppression of women and indoctrinates and rewards men who are willing to act as the hand, the enforcers of this system. But another world is possible. We could forge a world where women are not viewed as the property of men, called bitches and hoes, treated like punching bags and breeders and have their humanity stolen from them day in and day out. We could forge a world where men are not socialized to be grotesque, dehumanized brutes, where people enter into relationships on the basis of mutual love and respect, where women and little girls never have to learn what it is to fear men where creativity and an ethos of curiosity and experimentation are encouraged and celebrated in people of all genders, where women aren't discouraged and prevented from giving all they can to society, whether it's in the sciences and arts, in sports, or as leaders in the struggle to make revolution and change the whole world to put an end to all forms of exploitation and oppression all over the world. This is the world that we could create. The doorway to that new society is revolution. The key to that door is the strategy and method developed by the revolutionary leader, Bob Avakian. The blueprint for this society has been written in the Constitution for the New Socialist Republic in North America, which, yes, actually has the right to birth control and abortion written into it. Get with the people working to make this a reality now in revolution clubs across the country that you can join. In these revolution clubs, we have six points of attention, principles we live by and fight to propagate in society today. Point of attention number two is we fight for a world where all the chains are broken. Women, men, and differently gendered people are equals and comrades. We do not tolerate physically or verbally abusing women or treating them as sexual objects, nor do we tolerate insults or jokes about people's gender or sexual orientation. To all the boys and young men who look up to Andrew Tate, 
you have a choice to make. You can emulate Tate. You can make a tiny little life for yourself, reinforcing and contributing to the immense suffering inflicted on half of humanity. Or you can make your life actually matter. You can dedicate your life to ending this system and all the exploitation and oppression it necessitates. You can raise your sights and live another way and be a part of breaking all the chains that bind women and the rest of humanity. That was prose. She is part of the RNL, the Revolution Nothing Less team. The RNL show comes out on YouTube at youtube.com slash the rev comes every Thursday night. My name is Sansara Taylor and you are listening to the Michael Slate show. We've got some time left, so I'd like to play this. And many people say we need religion to be able to endure, to survive, to keep from going crazy, to continue to struggle on, even to have some moments of joy and glimmers of hope in a world full of so much cruelty and brutality, heartbreak and heartlessness. But what if the world doesn't have to be this way? What if we could live in a world where never again would a parent have to fear for the life of their child just because of the color of their skin? What if we... What if we lived in a world where never again would that soul-wrenching experience that never leaves of having to bury your own child whose life was stolen by a brutal thug with a gun and the backing of the powers that be? What if? What if being black no longer meant living in a white supremacist society that continually assaults you in your very being and very sense of worth, constantly subjects you to terror, openly or in more subtle ways, and forces you to face the constant danger that you or your children will have your life snuffed out at any moment for doing nothing but being. What if your humanity really mattered and were considered precious? What if this were true of all people of color and of immigrants? What in fact, if all people were just people of different colors and there were no distinctions and discrimination and persecution and brutality based on what nationality or race you were? What if there were no such thing as immigrants? What if we all lived in a world community of human beings without borders and tanks and guns and planes to enforce them? What if women could walk down the street and look every man they encounter straight in the eye and fear nothing? and not be made to feel. 
and not be made to feel that you're on display and to be evaluated by how you sexually titillate them. What if no more women were ever again battered, raped, assaulted, denied the right to control their own body? What if people who were different in their sexual orientation or just in the way they went through life, instead of being discriminated against and bullied, were valued for their difference? If that were seen as part of the great diversity of humanity? What if there were no more one part of society exploiting the others and those exploited had no choice but to enrich them in order to be able to live themselves, working their whole life away under conditions of this ruthless exploitation? What if we didn't have to live in a lopsided world where a small number in a small number of countries have to accumulate tremendous wealth by exploiting the great majority and the conditions of the great majority are desperate. Look at the world, look at the phenomenon of Ebola. There's been a lot of concern about Ebola, rightly so, but way too much hysterical fear about whether a few people here might get Ebola and not nearly enough concern about what is happening to the people in Africa. What if there were no more wars for domination and plunder? What if there were whole different relations among people valuing each other's humanity? What if there were different relation to the environment, protecting it and providing for future generations instead of despoiling and ruining it? What if we could have a whole different outlook on life and on the future instead of one of dread and one of desperately striving just to make it? Now to paraphrase John Lennon's song, Imagine, you may say I'm a dreamer, but this is not just a dream. It is something for which there is a definite basis in reality, and it is up to us, together with people throughout the world, to make it a reality. I want to thank Gary Baca for engineering, and we will be back next week. فصل اتحاد مرگ اختلاف افتخاره تکه کنم به هموطن بشم تکه گاهش شروع خروش و تقیان مردم چشم ساره فصل سمزدائی وسط باز و حزق باد ارتفع کوری که داری با هر دین و آین کنارمون بیست سالها کنار تیستادیم ما نره خشم هزار بی صداییم شورشی کمریشه یه انقلابی داریم عرب و آشوری ارمنی تو کمن ما زنی سیستانی و بلوش و تالش و تاتو آزری پرد و گیلک یور فارسی غشقایی ما اتحاد رودهاییم د
دریایی ورزشکار و هنرمند دست فروش تا کاسب از محصل و معلم مهندس تا کارگر میکنیم کرگوش دیکتاتور و با ساز حق زندگی آزادی میجنگیم تا پای مرگ شونه به شونه پا به پا دیوار دفاعی باورم به هم بستگی مثل ایمان الهی مثل مسخ دین مثل مجنون بی باکسینه چاکی میران تومه مطیع این بیگانه ها نیست میدون جنگه اثر رنگی هستی بیا که بدون تو یه خونه لنگه میدون جنگه بیا که بخت تاختن تو دل دشمن بدون ترسه میدون جنگه دارا و ندار اثر غم و تبار مثل فشنگ قطار میدون جنگه تیغه شمشیر شهامت و زین کن و جنس سپر وفا دستای گره تو دست هم جهان تو دست ما سانشوی قهرمان تا خیابون و رفت فارس ایران و فروختن رفیق رفت به باد وقت تصفیه میذاریم جلوشون صورت صاف میدون جنگ خورشید و گرفتن خواب خوش به شب نذاریم براشون نه تلاتومم موج دارم پشتوانم به ایرانه به میلیونه بدهکاریم به این خونه آزادی رو آبادی رو بدهکاریم و شادی رو واسه دیکتاتور و شغالاش و حامیاش بند و گرفتاری رو میدون جنگ جان ازم پا پس نکش با جنم با هم تهش رو میبینیم چون فت میکنیم میبینید که جنگی شدیم چه نسلی تولید کردید که ریز و دروشش هم زده تن بی باکتشه یه جور آزادی از زندگی سیرابه شکوه ما اتحاد آیندتون سیاهه شبه میشیم تو شب کابوس میشیم براتون در پس این دوزخ فانوس دیدیم در آن سو دار جلو دارم نیست نه سرکوب و نه قانون نره میکشم و میام کنجوگ پر هیاهو میدون جنگه اثر رنگی هستی بیا که بدون تو یه خونه لنگه میدون جنگه بیا که وقت تاختم تو دل دشمن بدون ترسه میدون جنگه دارا و ندار اثر غم و تبار مثل فشنگ قطار میدون جنگه تیغه شمشیر شهامت و زین کن و جنس سپر وفا